Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. You sound like a hobbit. Um, I thought, I I thought he was gremlin. going for gremlin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as you may have guessed, uh, if you've not already been listening to the series, uh, we are covering gremlins this evening as this is going to be going out on the 22nd of December, if all things go well. Um, Mer- just Merry, ahead of Christmas. Merry Christmas, if that is the case, yeah. to everybody out there. I've got my Christmas jumper on. I love that very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's the only Christmas jumper I've ever bought, and possibly the only one I need to. I agree. Yeah. I went um, for a red top. That was the best I could do. You do look. Maybe. You do look like it started off as Santa, but it's definitely Satan. Yeah. <laughs> this is my blood hoodie. That's what I'm calling it now. Ah, okay, blood. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not not a crit. For the benefits of the of the listener, for the benefits of the tape, and those who aren't actually watching us on YouTube, although you should be watching us on YouTube, um, uh, Lee is currently in the uh, the original Welcome to Horror Studio, and Chris is actually has actually been downloaded into the internet apparently, and he's just there amongst the <laughs> machine <laughs> elves <laughs> and kilobytes, etc. I don't understand computers really. Kilobytes sounds good, though, doesn't it? It does. Just very quickly before we get stuck into the evening uh, this evening's main Hi-ho. topic Hi-ho. <laughs> um yes before we get to that um i know obviously we're trying to get ahead on episodes at the moment so we only recorded a week ago um but have you watched anything chris yes in between last You'll be excited to hear what I've been up to. So I watched the the Gremlins 2 brainstorming in honour of tonight's film. Oh, the Jordan Peele, the Key and Peele. Peele. And it is awesome. It is very funny. And it was great to be reminded of all the things that were in Gremlins 2 that I absolutely loved when I watched it as uh, uh, probably, what, 12-year-old, was it? Mm. Something like that. And... uh, yeah, and it sounds very tacky, but I think I've got to watch it again. Oh, that is the one thing that has come out of watching Gremlins is I'm watching Gremlins yeah. too. That's <laughs> going to happen. This is a conversation off air, basically saying, yeah, should we do it for the next episode? Because let's face it, we're all going to be watching it because that's just a fun experience. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, we could, I mean, we could, and sort of, you know. Drop that episode in as a as a bonus or something like that. I don't know. Ooh. I'd be up for a bonus episode. Well, I think right, I we're think... not promising anything. we're not promising anything. We'll see <laughs> how it goes uh, because we've made this mistake before where we've said never well, promise. I've made this mistake before uh, because I go, oh, we're going to do a side project and we're going to do this thing and then we're going to try this new stuff and then uh, life gets in the way and I don't get to it. Um, so we might. We might surprise you with a little cheeky bonus episode of Gremlins 2, but we might not. Not. 
I mean, usually we should be okay as long as I'm not wearing a, a related T-shirt, as the a number of aborted attempts we had to watch um, American Werewolf in London. American Werewolf, yes. That was... Yes. I think, that what, was that third time lucky? <laughs> and that was only because I, yes. ref- I did not wear my Slaughtered Lamb Pub T-shirt. You've now learned your mistake. It was cool, yeah. When, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was getting to the point where it was starting to feel like something was trying to intervene and stop that from ever happening. Really. Mm. Um, and so, the other thing I did, briefly, oh, was oh. I came across a 30-day trial of Shudder. So I thought, oh, let's have a look at that. <gasps> now, I know you've mentioned it. I think you might have said you're not watching it anymore. But I thought, let's just do it. Why not? Uh, what and have you watched anything on it yet? No, you need to tell me what to watch on there. <laughs> I, I I did flick through as you do on Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of them. Flick through looking at everything that's on there, and they all look very interesting. I did see a Christmas one, forgot what it's called, but I thought, oh yeah, that, that's suitable. I think, I think my issue, Shudder, is unlike Netflix. Unless you've so, unless you're signed in, you can't just go and see what's available to watch on Shutter. So you can't look at it and go, "Oh yeah, there's loads of stuff I want to see. I'm gonna have a subscription." So I can't tell you what to suggest because I don't currently have a subscription. If you, if that you, is strange. If you do it on, because I think um, there's a weird thing with uh, if you look on if you check Amazon like Amazon uh, video, you know, because they will tell you, oh, you need, you're available with Prime, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Um, they will list films that are available, but you, but they just like available via the Shutter app. Mm. So some link. So there is, there okay. is a kind of way of, uh, well, of checking out what's I, on I will go through it, try and find something, watch it and report back. Well, I, I know Dean, uh, hello, Dean, friend of the show, and and, uh, and relative. Uh, the uh, I think he basically just watched the whole of show. Everything. Yeah, I think right, it, was, well, it was just a period of time. He, where it was like, I've got nothing better to do, so he should be able to send us a comment telling me Def- what to watch. Definitely, there's a few that I know. There's a few things that I've wanted to see that are on there. Um. And they do seem to have, uh, you know, they do seem to have a fair bit. Mainly sort of newer stuff and odder stuff as well. That seems to be. Yeah, they do have some really hard to find stuff on there, which was mm. what I was yeah. I, um, I was going to say, talking to Dean, I think I've still got his mother DVD. So oh. I need to bring that back, back next time I come. So, and also, I think, based on well, that, it's Lee's that mother I like well, his yeah. recommendations. So. It's yep. Lee's mother as well, if it's Dean's mother's DVD. I'll be, I'll be seeing uh, Dr. Dean tomorrow, so I will get him to ping you over some recommendations mm. for uh, stuff you're missing. He is, he is Adam. very good. Adam, yes. have you yes, been darling. watching anything, you lazy uh, bitch? I've watched, uh, I've watched some more of Shadows, the kids' anthology one, and uh, yeah. There was a really good one where the caretaker from Grange Hill and uh, Foggy from Last of the Summer, Barraclough from Porridge, um, basically, yeah, 
there uh, it's called the man who hated kids and it's all about him trying to get some kids blamed for vandalism uh and then leo andrew the spirit of peter pan (laughs) turns him into a tree and it's actually weirdly creepy because like it's horrific it's just well especially because it's like it's like it is a kid's show but they sort of have these odd moments and there's a bit, he basically looks down at his feet and roots spread out of his uh, trouser legs and then he's got moss all up his face and he turns, basically then he ends up in the tree with just his face sort of pinioned in it and everything. That, that was really good. And they did a, they did a really good episode called uh, The Boy Merlin, which was meant to be just a tale from Merlin's youth. That was good. And there was another one with uh, Clive Swift in it and like uh, Hyacinth's husband from Keeping Up Appearances as this failed children's entertainer who gets three magic eggs but doesn't realise that it's... Yeah, and that that sort of went all weird and everything else like that. And it was especially good because that felt a bit like an episode of Inside Number 9 because of how just repellent the children were. Who were sort of like there, sort of like, oh, he's boring. Oh, I don't like it, and everything. And that was, yeah. So, uh, but that's that's the main sort of vaguely horror thing that I've been uh, I have been viewing. I have, however, received today in the post. I'll put that there, so like people might see it on YouTube, and then I'm going to close up for you. Yeah. Oh, uh, the M story. Yeah, M.R. James' story, uh, adapted by Matthew Holness, um, <gasps> and starring uh, John Sessions, Amanda Abington, and Reece Shearsmith. It's the same. It, this is from Baffle Gab. It's just come. It's just been released. Uh, Baffle Gab are a really good audio company, like a company who do like audio stuff. It's available on Bandcamp, and they did uh, they did adaptions of. Uh, Blood on Satan's Claw with Reese Shearsmith and Mark Gatiss in it, and a really good adaption of the Hellbound Heart, like the the novel that uh, the novella that Hellraiser is based on. Yeah, and uh, that had uh, Alice Lowe in it. Um, and yes. but yeah, they're really um, yeah they're really good productions. And yeah, so it was like I, when I saw they'd done the Ash Tree, and especially like Matt Holness was involved and Reese Shearsmith was on there, so. I, I just had to pick up a couple. So, oh, no, wrong. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I will be. I, I will. I will be having a listen to that. Uh, as well as tradition, it's a it's a ghost story for Christmas from Mr. James. So yes. Uh, and on that, before I go into what I've been watching slash experiencing, um, there, I went to a horror thing. Uh, there was, there is going to be a ghost story for Christmas this year. Another uh, Mark Gatiss, M.R. James adaption. Uh, yes, with Peter Capaldi, isn't it? Yes. Um, I'm, I'm so, I'm so excited for that because um, I know the last one wasn't as good as uh, his previous ones, but the fact that he's going back to the M.R. James stories, uh, yes. yeah, it could be the highlight of Christmas. Yeah, the last one was an original, and unfortunately, well, I think we said at the time we just we were both like, oh, it's, it's all right, 
Uh, I think Claire actually summed it up best as she said, oh, yeah, because that felt like it was going to get really scary and then didn't. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, well, I think you failed in your task there, if that's the review. you know. Also, we should point out, I think New Year's Day, the new Dracula is on. The one yes, that yes, uh, yes, yes. Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss's adaption of Dracula that hopefully won't disappear up its own arse and go shit like Sherlock did. So. Yeah, no, I've, I've got very high hopes for that. Um, yeah, I think so, that'll be good. Yeah. I didn't realise it was coming out quite that soon, so that's fantastic. The BBC have just done a load of surprise announcements. Suddenly, out of the blue, they said, oh, yeah, Doctor Who, because there was no Doctor Who series this year, and they said, oh, yeah, no, it'll be back next year, and then it was announced, oh, yeah, we're doing a New Year's special, and the, the, they announced, I think it was like Thursday, and then suddenly, yeah, it was coming out that the... Uh, Dracula was going to be on New Year's Day as well so I mean this what this probably means is that the BBC is going to blow its wad on New Year's Day and then do fuck all for the rest of the year of any worth so <laughs> very probably um, on that note that does lead rather tidily into what I've been watching mm-hmm. um, so I've just finished uh, BBC adaptation of War of the World oh yes yeah the three part um uh yeah the the three-part mini series that they've just done uh it was great for two episodes ah okay i didn't hate the end but it didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it, it definitely started off a lot stronger than it ended mm. uh there was a lot of stuff in there that was a bit bullshitty that i didn't really like in the last episode uh, yeah, and it didn't really tie up very well at all for me. Uh, I won't go any further into it until Adam has seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, basically, it, it's it's good. It's well worth watching, but it starts off. It, it, it each episode kind of slowly devolves down into nonsense. Right. I, I mean, in so. fairness, in fairness, weirdly enough, I mean the original story. I mean, if people want to complain about spoilers, it's been over a hundred years. But um, <laughs> uh, there is, you know, even the the story. I think that it does. It, it's kind of a weak ending. It's it's, yeah. it's a good ending in so much as it's the only logical way of concluding it, because yeah. nothing else on earth could stop them, and it works mm. from that point of view. But actually, just as a dramatic conclusion, it's like, oh, we woke up one day and there was fuck all happening. They were all dead. So... When he woke, um, that was like, so a friend of the show, Chris Jones, keeps referring to it as woke of the world. Um, because oh, right. okay. yeah, there was a bit in it where it's suddenly a little Sounds bit... controversial. Have we, have we brought this on ourselves? We are the British. This is the time of the colonies. We go over and invade other countries and our people are doing it to us. Is it our fault? Well, no, it doesn't work like that. But, you know, it's nice of you to point it out, fucking I think, idiots. No, I, think, I think possibly, is, was he just referring to the fact it's set in Woking? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, like it's got a very, um, uh, weren't the Victorians idiots kind of a, uh, like, look at what buffoons people were and how terrible they used to be. And, like, although obviously they're obviously that is true to some degree about a lot of things that were going on politically and stuff, um, 
Yeah, it just it it had a lot of really heavy handed messages. Oh, they're sort of hammering it home a bit. Yeah, I think yeah, I think subtext is great when it remains subtext. Yeah, when you start bashing people over the head with it, it ceases to be subtext. I think it's just text at that point. Especially if you can't be bothered to work it into the story and just have let's just have like a character just suddenly have this epiphany and just start reading off this dialogue and then someone comes and slaps them around the face and tells them to you know grow up and be more british wouldn't you say though that the further in time you go back arguably the worse humans are because the closer we get to being animals yes oh yeah are we at the best point that humanity has ever been at we probably unfortunately yes So that's, you know, which just proves that there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, I mean, there um, might be a bit of a blip. I, I mean, it's, it's come on somewhat from medieval feudalism, I suppose. And, you know. Um, Wh- but, which one you would you rather be born in? Oh, fuck me today. It's a lot fucking easier. <laughs> you know. You see, and I, I agree. I think it's getting to the point now where, but like, people get offended about such ridiculous Yeah, well, stories. That, that's where you and could... It, it could be going a bit yeah. too far, yeah. And I think it's totally like you know, you know, you have people and they just, you know, people are suing people left, right, and centre over this and that and tiny. And it's like you do know a hundred years ago, if you just walk down the street, there's a good chance someone's going to throw a shit out the window. And you're going to be hit with it. You just have to deal with it. Right. That's so, life. so you yeah. know, we might be uh, might be going off on a slight tangent, but I, I wonder about that. Um, the suing culture because isn't that kind of drummed up by uh, like by um solicitors well the legal the law industry yeah. On it, yeah yeah and so and you know there's a lot of marketing around it and so i feel like we're kind of fed it and when when things happen to you and you suddenly get phone calls and it's like well, you want to be the only idiot not suing everyone else is everyone else make loads of money you know i no, see, now I agree, but just in general, like, it's the same with, like, uh, so the place I work, last year we had some trouble with our heating, as we have done at every place I've ever worked for any long period of time, yeah. like you do at home. Sometimes yeah. heating, heating tends to go wrong. It is, it is kind of old technology. And mm. people around the office will immediately go, oh, this should be human rights. We shouldn't have to work in these conditions. Yeah, we shouldn't. And yeah. it's like, do you know what? Like, there's people outside digging holes in the road in like three inches of ice. And like, like you say, and a hundred years ago, there were people <laughs> out who were just in a little bit worse than that. Yeah. People were in the coal mine. And now people are of this massively mollycoddled. Uh, well, well, we've run out of tea and nobody seems to have gone and bought more tea bags. I don't think we should work under these conditions. It's yeah, completely unacceptable. The best way to respond to them is just say, well, as Gandhi said, be the change you want to see. So fuck off and get the milk. And get some tea. Yeah. yeah. Get your own <laughs> fucking tea. Christ. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we have gone off on a bit of a tangent. For Christ's sake, man up, people. We've let, we haven't had a war in this country or anything for a long time. Not like a hand-to-hand war. Like, we, we're... We've been so mollycoddled. How, just... how do you work out? I don't, th- correct, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. Really, like if, if if they spilt loads of water and you slipped over, would you be slightly annoyed at that water. point? Huh? Well, like, what what does it take to actually make you think? Right, I'm going to sue now. 
Like, how, what is your line? I think in certain situations, yeah, I think but it's... it's, but, it's but it is a little bit difficult to know what the absolute correct one is, I think. Anyway, I haven't seen anyone. Agree. No. And I don't but complain yeah, but about being cold. I think the point is, yeah, we just a little mollycoddled now to the point where we forget, as, as we were saying, but 200 years ago, you know, you our life... Had a lot less. Big. Yeah, I mean, we, we think we deserve a lot more. We always think we deserve as good as the king gets. Entitlement is a problem, but also, yeah. but also there is the whole point when people say about communism, is the whole point was we would all live like kings, not <laughs> we're going to drag everyone down to be like kings. Yeah. But equally, I see, I think that this is one of the few times where random violence is quite interesting, in so much as there are, there are, you, you should be able to hire a man, it will just turn up and like just pop people with a shovel when the people where they're sort of doing the thing of oh you know oh well I, I expected to have you know it's like similarly we have a thing at work where at the end of at, at the end at the start of every month they put on a free lunch every fucker moans it's like oh it wasn't yeah. all that and it was like it was fucking free you got a full stomach shut up and be grateful and it's, yeah. I think, you know, and again, this is the thing where you need to, you should be able to hire a shadowy man who just sort of like, just doesn't have to get too bad, but like suddenly runs up to them and stuffs fish down their trousers or something like that. And it's like, there you go. That's what could fucking happen out of the blue. That, that sounds like the tango advert. Yeah, exactly. That's what they need. A fat orange man who slaps them. Oh, um, I think that is, that is something we should bring back. As you say, nothing too violent. Like, no. Not like a full drag someone down and kick them after death but like if someone is a prick there should be a you, you should all have a voucher once a month and you can put that voucher in have you been you playing that, this yeah like a joker's kicked. card play your joker's card yeah it's i think that's the thing is people just need to be uncomfortable but in the right way in this in the yeah. sort of sense of you know I went out today and there was just a man dressed as a cactus at the bus stop smoking endless cigarettes. People need that sort of shit. That's what they need. Rather, you know, just to let them know, yeah, that could happen, fucker. Be grateful right. it doesn't happen every day. We've, we've got way off topic now. Um, yeah. Right, so let's try and bring us back a little bit. Um, so last <laughs> night... And I'm back. Doing it. Look at him, look. It's just, it's just right up in my face. Um, I'm, just, I'm just having a look at you. <laughs> Dirty. That, that felt um, very invasive. Oh, I can see your pants. I'm not wearing any. <laughs> I know. I thought you were wearing mink knickers. Right, so, last night... Um, I went to Wembley Arena uh, to kick off the festive season uh, with the 25th anniversary of Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, it was performed on stage with a full orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, they had some big screens up and they showed the film. Uh, they had a full orchestra. Danny Elfman was there doing the... the the singing mm -hmm. songs of Jack Skellington. 
Uh, Catherine O'Hara was there and she did the voice of Sally and Shock. Mm-hmm. Um, so, full disclosure, I very much like Nightmare Before Christmas. It probably makes it into my viewing 70% of years. Don't watch it every year. Don't mm-hmm. watch it multiple times. Do quite like it. Um, but a uh, friend of the show who we've mentioned previously, Manny. Hello, Manny. We will have Hi, you Manny. on as soon get back to the recording in one place thing. Um, he really wanted to go. And his missus was in no way interested. So I got one of those, you know, those phone calls that go, tickets are out. I need to get them in 10 minutes. Do you want to come to this thing? And I said, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, because although I'm a pretty big fan, I was like, it's a night out for mate. We'll probably yeah. go and get dinner and a few beers and it'll be fun. Uh, it was exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, I was totally blown away. Um as I mentioned earlier, like I saw War of the Worlds at the O2 and stuff. So seeing uh, a, uh, a, a show like a film with a full orchestra is is incredible. Um, mm. But to see it with Danny Elfman and Catherine O'Hara uh, and Ken Page did was Oogie Boogie as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost oh, wow. Adam. I can hear you. I can't see you, Adam. Doesn't matter. Um, okay. Yeah, oh, I can it was see fantastic. Me. Yeah. The other thing I, the other thing I didn't realise, uh, Greg Proops, um, yep. did a load of the voice stuff on that. I had oh, no idea. Oh. Um, yeah. So they had, uh, so the, so whenever you see like the crowd scenes, and there's like mm-hmm. all the vampires and all the witches and all the rest of it, um, they had five people up who had done all the original voices for those, and Greg Proops was one of them. Uh, and you'll be glad to know, Adam, he was wearing a fez. Good man. So, uh, but yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, totally enjoyed the crap out of that. And uh, I, I felt vaguely festive, which is something <laughs> I haven't felt in probably a decade. So, so well done, Tim Burton and uh, Danny Elfman and uh, Catherine O'Hara. I and Greg Proops. And Greg Proops. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, everyone involved. It was amazing. It was really good. And well done, Manny, for convincing me to go. Because one of these things, I'd probably have seen it and gone, that looks like it's probably fun. Can't bother to arrange to get people to go. Yeah. Uh, what does that tell you? How many things must you have missed that would have changed your life? Do you know what I haven't missed? I bought tickets today for Faith No More next year in oh. June. Oh, blimey. You're one of the... You're one of the lucky ones then, because they sold out in about eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was there at 10 o'clock this morning with two computers running, going <laughs> click, 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 and one of them managed to find me two standing tickets. So, nice. uh, yeah, eight minutes. Okay, now. That's uh, impressive. Um, yeah, and that's everything I've been watching. So uh, That wins. <laughs> yeah. So, to the main event. Gremlins. We should play the theme tune. That's when it goes off into the sort of musical Broadway bit. So, it's all come back to me yet again. Yes. 
Um, so, obviously, Adam, you've seen it before. Uh, Chris, you said you saw it when it first came out as well. Or it, it was possibly... either either the year it came out, it might have been a couple of years after, but yeah, it's definitely when I was fairly young. Mm. Yeah. And it was definitely one of my favourite films, even though I didn't watch it that many times. Um, I think it's so iconic and so many memorable bits and just the, the blend of comedy with some scary bits, but not, mm. you know, they're not that scary, even when you're young, although I still hesitate to show it to my children, as you said, Adam. And I'd, be, I'd love to mm. see when you're going to play any of these films to Ted, what age he gets to, where it's like, yeah, that, let's try that now. I mean, to be honest, I've, I've, one thing I have been... Uh, one other thing, I was, I've been listening to Visitations, the uh, interview podcast of Elijah Wood, where him and the guy mm. from the production company go and yeah, go and speak to directors. And the one thing that's come clear is, if you want your child to be a horror director, show them films sure. at an appropriate age. Yeah, because they were all like, sort of like, oh yeah, no, I was, I was watching. Yeah, they showed me Alien when I was seven, and <laughs> I suppose uh, it, it can either go that way or the other way, where they become, you know. A murderer. Mentally ill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One or the other, you know. But um... uh, I would like to point out, I can't remember if I did it on the show or if it was a conversation that happened in our chat group. Um, but anybody listening who is British and around our sort of age, if you don't know what Joe Dante looks like, it's Tony Slattery. Uh, <laughs> slightly longer hair. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You can yeah. have that. It, it it kind of, it really is to be honest. Obviously, weirdly enough, I mean, you know, only a couple of episodes ago we did the Burbs, which was yeah. another Joe Dante film. You look like a unicorn, Lee. Corey Feldman again. Yeah, I yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, wait! You're nicking all my um my outstanding bits. See, Lee. Oh, sorry. Sorry. What I'm slightly disturbed by is the amount of Corey that Lee seems to have insisted on being on the show lately. It's been thick well, with Corey, hasn't it? it well, you know, a... if you're going to do a video podcast, <laughs> you need more Corey. You need plenty of Corey, yeah. No, yeah, all right. So let, let me run through my favourite bits of the film. Um, so I liked. These are the bits that I remember standing out when I was younger and I still think they're pretty good now. So Stripe having that bit more intelligence and willing to go off on his own and find new things, I thought was a great contrast between the rest, which are kind of a crowd and they sort of all follow each other mostly and they're mm. just kind of a rabble. Whereas he, just that idea that, you know, they're kind of all bad, they're all, but they're not exactly evil, whereas he has just got that extra element. It's like, okay, that's, that's quite an interesting idea. Um, yes, Stripe's kind of malevolent, whereas the rest are more mischievous, I suppose. Yeah, or, or, or maniacal. Just, yeah. Yeah, whereas, yeah, he's got something deeper. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was great. And and the fact that they gave him Stripe, and, and in fact, that makes me, everything in this, I thought, was just well placed. It was just, it worked really well. Like, the characters are great, um, and the cast, and you know, just the fact that the, the dad He's a great character. He's just trying to market his inventions, which are obviously terrible. Yeah. Um, and just every opportunity he gets, he's trying to sell them to people. And and just so the thread's running throughout. You know, even though they're not trying to make anything 
really deep in it. I thought all of it just kind of worked. Um, so yeah, a couple of other scenes. The Snow White scene. They're watching yeah. Snow White and they love it. You know, it's just like, like it's ridiculous. And yeah, yeah. Um, Gizmo driving the car at the end. You know, the fact that you see him earlier on and he's enjoying watching car racing. It's just it's a bit random, but it works. Claire did um, point out that him driving the car was more convincing than Billy driving his Volkswagen in an earlier yeah. scene where he was just doing, he was just doing driving point. acting. Yeah. You know, that. That's how he drives. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the, the music and main theme. That's yeah, mm -hmm. excellent. Um, I love the sound effects of the Mogwai and the Gremlins, so I'm hoping mm. you're going to tell me more about that. Oh, definitely, um, definitely. Put Corey Feldman being in it, and is this his first film? Because I didn't remember him being in this at I all, and he does look pretty young. I, I think it's near enough his first film. Okay, the I first think one I thought was I, Goonies, so I probably I saw he, Goonies first. Well, Goonies... But I thought um, he was older in that, isn't he? Um, no, later, I'm not sure. but it's written by Columbus. Yeah, okay. both Gremlins and Goonies are both written by Chris Columbus, who later went on Chris to, be a, to yeah, who America. later went on to discover America and uh, <laughs> indulge in the the genocide of the South American Indians. Um, oh, you're sounding a bit woke now. <laughs> yeah, but been woking. That's why. Yeah. But, um, um, and and my my top scene. Let's see if you agree. The uh, the Christmas Carol. At, I've forgotten her name, Mrs. Deagle's house, and then yes. the stair lift where she goes flying off. Just because I think they did a great job of her. She's just a classic, horrible, you know, you really dislike her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, and just the way it was filmed, it was just great. I remember just thinking that was so funny. And I normally don't really laugh at people dying, but, you know. Oh, she was asking for it. Yeah. It's curious because usually, especially the sort of film it is, you'd kind of expect she's going to be like Scrooge, you know, where it's like, oh, where they, she'll learn, they learn their lesson and everything. Yeah. It's like, no, no, she's an no. arsehole and she, she gets just... what's coming to her. Yeah. <laughs> her yeah, cats so, are all, also, so... her cats are all named after various types of money. I can't uh... remember off the top of my head what they are, but they, she's named after various foreign currencies. <laughs> Just keep calling one of them dollar bill. Yeah, I think there's like dollar and uh, uh, there's another one. Anyway, yeah. I must have missed that. I was getting too excited about uh, going yeah. up the stair lift. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, now the fact the fact that Claire found that absolutely hilarious, especially where it was the just the the chair with the legs up. Yeah. Um, when well, the police when drive the police by, yeah. yeah. Um, now I don't want I don't want to sort of ascribe things here or anything else like that. But I would just point out that Claire's mum has a stair lift, so uh, I don't yeah. know if this was I don't know if that was sort of doubly amusing for her on that scale. To be honest, I'm hoping that's how I die. So it's, it's let's a hope gremlins come true and yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's slightly more, it's slightly less ignominious than the science teacher, mm. uh, you know. Yeah. But yeah, see, I remember that being quite an extreme moment, really. Um, again, it's funny because I didn't, cause in my mind, from remembering it, yeah, I remember him just getting dragged under there and eaten. But it's mm. funny when I watched it this time, and I was like, well, he's just got a syringe in his butt, so. 
it didn't necessarily kill him. It might have just given him something to put him to sleep. So again, it's it's trying to keep that oh, family no, no. friendly. He is dead. He is dead. But oh yeah, like his face is totally but it's, not. But it's but not. It's yeah. The See, see, the thing is, is that I think also you've got uh, Joe Dante. Basically, Chris Columbus's script was quite. Um, it was a lot more violent and a lot more sort of aggressive. Mm. And then Joe Dante, and particularly executive producer Steven Spielberg, uh, decided to make it a lot more. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, he's the executive yeah. producer on it, and they they kind of were very instrumental in making it. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sort of halfway to saying family-friendly. Yeah. Because yeah. I still maintain it's like a kid's film that you can't really show kids. No, but that's Be- why I'm so interested to know, yeah, what yeah. age is, is kind of would be considered appropriate now. Because this... I, I can't remember what age I was, but, yeah, I don't remember it being kind of on the banned list, whereas yeah. Robocop and, you know, yeah. Predator, they were, like, you're not seeing them... Yeah, but then the, I think I think when Gremlins came out, I think it was a fifteen. Oh, okay. I think I think, yeah. but the weird thing was is that in America it, it created the PG thirteen rating. This mm. and Temple of Doom. Oh, right. created, they actually created it. Yeah, because oh, right. they were kind of like we can't again, quite figure like, out where it's, this it's goes. kind of a kids' film, but yeah. maybe not. So and, is that because yeah. horror before was less? Uh, I mean, I imagined horror was less comedic. I, th- I think it's much more. I think it is actually much more to do with its because uh, horror was always, in many ways, horror used to pride itself on getting a higher certificate. The mm. only thing that stopped it recently is because studios are quite obsessed with, oh, we can't go for an, an R rating because pe- you cut out a large demographic of people who are going to go and see it. Um, but yeah, I think I mean like the. Last week we were talking about like the Quatermass. Um, when Hammer did the Quatermass experiment, they dropped the E from experiment, so it was experiment in a sort of way of look at that, it's an X film. That's how you know mm-hmm. it's going to be quality. Mm-hmm. You know it's going to be much in the same way as when you're a kid in a video shop, and it's like it's an eighteen, so it's going to be good. Yeah. You know, there's actually you know it's it's always going to rate better than a fifteen to a fourteen year old, which yeah, is just you assume it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be like 18. It's probably got like, probably got guns and real knockers in it and everything. It's just, yeah. But, um, so. Funny how once you reach a certain age, you don't even, like, if somebody said to me, what rating is Nightmare on Elm Street? I I couldn't tell you. Like, Mm. massive films, it would never occur to me to have any idea what rating they are. Mm. So, yeah, I think to a younger audience, I think it's quite a big thing. I think, but once. Once you are an adult, unless you're looking out for a child, yeah, I don't think it sort of. I mean, I tend to, I tend to see it as a barometer, basically, of is this going to be a shit horror film or not? In so much as it's <laughs> like, oh, it's fifteen, so it's like, oh, right, so that's going to be a fairly mainstream horror film. I probably won't be that into it. Whereas if it comes through and it's an eighteen, it's like, I bet they make someone eat their own pubes in this, so I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, in the original script, See, I, think Chris... I think that's why it's funny because something like a dark song, which we covered previously, um, that I absolutely we all did, we loved mm. shit out. Um, yeah, see, now that could totally be a 15 because 
I don't think there's anything graphic in that film, but it's incredibly menacing. Um, yeah. See, the weird so, thing yeah. is, is the rating system seems to work on the boat. I mean, you could see sort of like stuff that is far more psychologically troubling mm. than Nightmare on Elm Street. But mm. Nightmare on Elm Street has knives and blood. Yeah, but oh, see, Nightmare on Elm Street, for me, when I learned of it, um, first learned of it when I was younger, it had something extra because it was like, oh, somehow that could happen because it happens in your sleep. Mm. And for th- that, that just really added a whole nother level. Like, yeah, obviously someone with knives could attack you, but that just feels a bit more normal unless it's done in a certain way. Whereas, yeah, that just seemed like, oh, it's magical, so it's definitely not real, but somehow in dreams, and I don't know, so that had a, a slightly oh, yeah, I think it's elevated... Pro- probably Nightmare on Elm Street is probably a bad example, but, I mean, I think, you know, there's sort of like something like your more common slasher movie, like Halloween mm. or Friday the 13th or something like that, where it's essentially some mad sod with yeah. a Black and Decker is terrorising people in the home counties. And it's, you know... But that doesn't necessarily have. But there's you can watch stuff that can linger with you. That's a PG, mm. and it just mm. all you need is like a disturbing idea. I mean, something like Body Snatchers is far more troubling. Like if you watch when when I when you watch Body Snatchers, especially when you're really if you're really little and you watch Body Snatchers, it's very the idea that people be- could be taken over. Yeah. Basically, yeah. it's like suddenly the suddenly people you Anyone know, you know. The people you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, which is far more troubling than yeah. sort of you know, oh, a guy with a knife might come in, yeah, but because you know he's a baddie, but if suddenly the people you trust, are the yeah. Baddies, yeah, but body snatch is kind of because it doesn't have you know an overtly doesn't have any overt gore or violence. You know, I think that the I mean, the only one that really, curiously enough, I think is the Exorcist tended it was sort of banned in the uk for so long because they said it was much more the psychology of it than anything else because there's Mm. not really again there's people turning their heads and you know vomiting and stuff like that but it's much more of the the whole build-up of the film i mean you could have people's heads spinning a hundred and you know, 360 mm. degrees and vomiting crazy shit in a, a comedy, as, you know, as um, Repossessed proved, you know. Yeah. The, the makeup and everything and, and the things that she does, obviously the language and stuff is slightly tamed down, but effectively so much of the visual of it is mm. so similar. Yeah, and yet Repossessed is possibly 12 or 15. I think 15, it's 12. I think it's 12. yeah. Um, but yeah, like visually, there isn't an awful lot different. No. It's just that building of a massive uh, atmosphere it, and creating that tension of fear. It is the context of it, definitely. But I mean, with certainly with the original script of uh, Gremlins, um, for example, the guy that was something that Steven Spielberg intervened on was the the science teacher was meant to be dead with his face studded with. Mm. syringes and so he changed that to one up the bum but um, and also like uh, they were gonna there's a originally the mum gets beheaded in the confrontation in the house they they killed the dog 
Um, mm. There was, where's, oh, I jotted some of them down. Oh, yeah, and uh, there was going to be a bit where they went, they attacked McDonald's and ate the customers. Mm. Like, left yeah. the food and ate the customers. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that could have been funny. But, yeah, so all, there's a, so they, there's a they, lot they do seem to make it, they would have made it more serious. Also, yeah. originally, there was no stripe. It mm. was just Gizmo was going to turn with the rest of them and be oh, right. the Stripe character. But again, mm. like Steven Spielberg, yeah. because he's See a, sent- he's a yeah. sentimental old bugger, was like, no, he's the cute hero <laughs> the, who the yeah. kids identify. Well, there's and- a reason, you know, he's he makes films oh, that yeah. go big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was like, no, that. but apparently, again, basically, this was, obviously, it's a Christmas film. Mm. And it was meant to be released at Christmas. And then... Um, it's uh, Warner Brothers and they heard about Temple of Doom was coming out which I think's Paramount and Columbia were releasing Ghostbusters so they rushed Gremlins into production to get um, to get so they had their summer blockbuster Mm. along with those uh, other two films and actually Gremlins comes out on the very same day as Ghostbusters (laughs) Which is really strange because, yeah, because also Gremlins was a bootleg VHS in my house brought home by my dad on exactly the same day that he brought home the bootleg pirated copy of Ghostbusters. So we had both of them at the same time. So the question is, which one did you watch first? Ghostbusters. Mm. Um, That was a scary bit at the start. Yeah. No hesitation there. Oh, yeah, no, we watched Ghostbusters. That's what happened. But... um, but yeah, the uh, uh, and so there was, so they sort of rushed into production, and so a lot of the script changes and things were actually taking place while they were filming. And one thing in particular was that Steven Spielberg kept changing the design of Gizmo. Mm. So he was like, originally Gizmo was like entirely furry, and then he said, "Oh no, he should have white bits and brown bits, and the ears should be." Uh, naked and so on and so forth like that and basically as far as the effects guys were concerned they were building Gizmo to be in the first part of the film and Mm. then he gets turned into a gremlin and so they hadn't so they just were doing their fucking pieces because they've had to redesign this thing and rebuild this little creature so many times and then they've said to him, oh, by the way, we now want it driving a car and we want it to pull blinds down and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, for fuck's mm. sake. You know, and that is why, <laughs> and specifically, that is why the gremlins torture Gizmo. The rest of the gremlins, <laughs> is that was basically Joe Dante's present to the effects crew <laughs> of saying, yeah, it's all right, we, we'll can... throw darts at him and like have him tormented because I know that he's just been such a source of problems for you guys and i apologize for but, that but that is see that's one of those things though it, it worked so arguably now looking back that was a good decision to change oh, yeah, it no i think because i mean he i mean even billy was meant to kill was meant to do the blinds at the end not gizmo mm. and again steven spielberg said no gizmo's the hero of the film yeah. not billy and uh yeah so also i have to say i mean i love um, uh, uh, Jerry Goldsmith who did the music on this he also did the Burbs and you know, mm, well, yeah. on the Burbs episode we spoke about the other stuff he'd done but I do have to say way to rip off Star Wars 
with your uh, gizmo theme. Gizmo's little song that yeah. it's very like Luke looking at two sons, isn't it? And sort of you know, or yeah. with like Wish, and Princess Wishful Leia, kind of. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. very sort of yeah. So mm. that I felt was a bit. Mm. I think mm. you've, you've ripped that off, haven't you, dear? So um, the Gremlins did end up being the fourth biggest grossing film of 1984, though. So they did something okay. right. So if it's yeah. not 84, I definitely didn't watch it. The, the, when it oh, came yeah, out then. no, no, I didn't think, yeah. Um, and uh, in, actually... I going to say, Adam, when did you see it for the first time? Because I know we were saying about when it was, you know, like, when is it safe to show it to... And well, I it would have been, it would have been 84, so I would have been... Yeah, so I'd have been six, yeah. Yeah, same as, yeah. And I saw it when it first came out. My parents were very, like, that they vetted everything before they showed mm. me um but yeah they had no qualms about showing me this just outright unedited yeah. because it's such a, a, a kind of ludicrous but obviously amazing story um, oh yeah but i mean but yeah, it, i i wonder i wonder though if it's one of those things as well where maybe you look at it now and things have changed a lot. I mean, we've spoken about this on the show definitely before about how particularly kids TV has altered dramatically. I mean, there's stuff that's in like, if you watch like, like, like I say, I've been watching shadows and there's stuff in that that you definitely wouldn't put in a kid's show. Now you wouldn't be allowed to doctor who definitely. Cause you've had like, you know, they had people stabbing people and things like that. And I think, that's one of the things that I do think with this is weirdly enough, like the mum, you know, one in a blender, one in the microwave, yeah. and and when she stabs it, that's a proper like, <laughs> you know, really goes at it, and you yeah. can hear the thud as well as an iPhone. And I wonder because again, it's stuff that they now refer to as like imitable violence, i.e., a kid could get a knife imitate it, and yeah. imitate that mm. whereas you know they try and keep things a lot more fantastical now mm. um but yeah it would be sort of like oh why, why did you stick your brother's hand in the blender well i saw it happening in gremlins yeah like, yeah but i think that's i think that's more the kid you've got to watch than fucking where the gremlins shouldn't have been shown <laughs> but um yeah. but yeah but this was something that me and claire were talking about though how fucking highly strung is the mum is it? Do you think it's just the dad's inventions have driven her like? It, to she the probably point? does have to put up quite a lot. You know, because I mean, he's obviously... not not to say what the are you doing? Yeah, but it's like you hear a noise upstairs. Nice. Yeah. Like and, and and she has she has a, she exudes a bit of a Sarah Palmer sort of feel to her, where she's like, "You feel a fuck sight more dangerous than the Gremlins to me." <laughs> when she's sort of scowling and walking up the stairs, it's like. Well, bloody hope the gremlins turn up and relieve the tension here because this is just terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's it's like, funny you saying about Gizmo um, originally wasn't meant to be in the film all the way through to the end. It's funny because uh, this film looks amazing and mm. like I totally don't think anything in it hasn't held up enough to make it unwatchable for anyone. I wouldn't definitely, think. definitely. I still maintain that everything in this is pretty much. You know, you could show this to someone today and it's like, yeah. Yeah. But it's funny how less, you know, it's a 
a gizmo actually kind mm. of has that like he looks a lot more stop motion and then once it gets to the gremlins like they're so fast and they're so animated and they're so aggressive like yeah they just like I say, you can imagine that they built this thing and went look it's only given me a few scenes it's fine yeah. but yeah the gremlins themselves like that first scene when you see Stripe coming out after he's been in the swimming pool mm. and you see him walking out into the street in the snow and all of a sudden there's just a horde of them and they all come. Mm. It looked incredible. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it, I literally, I had to make a note. I was like, it just looks menacing. I wonder yeah. if there's, is it easier to do longer shots and when they're moving a lot than the sort of close-up expressions? Because I, I actually thought Gizmo's expressions were still quite good. I had kind but of then, thought, oh, it's going to look awful. And it's like, okay, that should but, kind of But did. then apparently they had to build like about like a dozen different faces for Gizmo. Mm, yeah. So okay. they would be sort of locked expressions and stuff like that. Right. And I still think they do an amazing job with it. I don't. I think mm. the effects team is like a proper, you know. To, it was like better that, than I thought, definitely. And, and that bit you were saying about, that's definitely stop motion, where they're like the coming down the street. And that does look so incredible. But it's mm-hmm. like the old Harryhausen sort of thing, you know, where it just looks, still looks pretty amazing and so sort of lifelike. But yeah. the, but I think also that's interestingly enough, that's why there's the bright light rule. That's why it's written into the script <laughs> is Make because they said you got to keep them in the dark. Right? Keep them in the dark so you can <laughs> yeah. cover a multitude of sins. Don't mm. have anything fully lit, and you can <laughs> so you don't see the gears, you don't see the stitching and stuff like that. So that's creative thinking. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant sort of thing where you like you're coming up with these rules and then you're like. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we do actually that, works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there obviously a lot of it gets. That's the other reason I, because like this is Claire's first time of watching, watching it, and she really enjoyed mm. it. She, uh, uh, one thing she did say is once the Gremlins come into it, she said basically every scene could have like Ratso Rizzo in it because it essentially becomes a Muppets movie because yeah. it's that same sort of thing of just fucking mental, just <laughs> hilarious sort of stuff. Um, but um, so, but also the reason I want to show Gremlins too, because Gremlins two is very because that's not nineteen ninety. It's weird because it's that thing from the eighties where they would have a successful film, but it did take them a while to yeah, produce yeah, the yeah. next one. It's not like nowadays mm. where it's very sort of like you'll have it out within like a year to eighteen months of a success, and once they are a success, look at like sort of Marvel and everything where they're like. <clears throat> We've got these six films coming out this year, and they'll all sort of like link along or whatever like that. Uh, but yeah, like, not, but Gremlins 2 is very postmodern and sort of really looks, it examines Gremlins as a film in itself, and not just the fact that at one point someone's reviewing Gremlins, like Siskel and Ebert or whatever it is. It, he, you know, it's Leonard Moulton, I think, who is reviewing Gremlins on the clamp channel like the yeah. tv channel and stuff like that but also they do come up with they do mention the thing which was uh when you say don't feed them after midnight i mean what if they're in a plane going through an international mm. time zone <laughs> uh, what happens then and it's, and it's true they... there's yeah. no no midnight till 5 a.m it's just That's, yeah they don't they, they don't tell them you, again yeah they don't tell you the the cutoff point the danger point at all but it's yeah, I mean, for me, 
My favourite bit of the film is the bar. Mm. The bit where yeah. they're in the bar is just... That is... Because I think... I remember... I think when I watched it the very first time when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, that's terrible. They've gone and done all that. And look, and there's like... All these people are getting hurt and everything else like that. And then I think the second time I watched it, it was like, fuck the humans, I'm on the gremlin side. Yeah. Because they were just having a great time. The carolers, just... That makes me laugh yeah. so fucking hard at such a stupid thing of gremlins in hats and scarves and it's just yeah it's just so sort of like bloody absurd but when they're in the bar mm -hmm. that's my favorite especially the tom waits gremlin who's sitting yeah. at the side in the fedora and then the puppets come in and <laughs> and he just looks at the camera like you know <laughs> and yeah they just have such a sort of they again it's, i think it's the puppetry thing but it's like mm. they have such a good personality to them. yeah they, definitely um because apparently the, one that was thing about each other is the bit that always makes me laugh so you have four or five of them one of them will kill one of the others and they all yeah just for yeah. fun yeah. that's it it's anything that's fun they're just hedonistic mm. I, and that, i think it's that's not, just because you've only got yeah. him wet we we'll replace him again. Yeah. Although apparent, apparently someone did point out they do spend a lot of time in snow. You tend to get wet <laughs> in snow, don't you? So there should be yeah. maybe there should be more. But I do yeah, I think but I do like that I do like the idea that Kate kind of has the best way of dealing with them, which is just, just... get them shit faced. Yeah. Let them play the let And then they the won't notice table. really. Yeah, like... and they're fine. <laughs> You know, just let them get on with it. Yeah. That was my one question. Yeah, when she just kept pouring more beer, and I was like, why are you giving them alcohol? Like, they're obnoxious, dangerous fuckers. Lee, why did we give you alcohol? I was going to say, you've got to remember, she works in a pub. She's giving obnoxious people drinks. She has to stop Mr. Futterman from driving home, you know. And she has to avoid saying you're daft racist when he's out there moaning about. <laughs> <laughs> but that um, actually, I mean, obviously, you've got like like we said, Dick Miller. I didn't realise though when I was looking into this because there's obviously like so many sort of cool people in the cast, but I didn't realise that um, where is it? Uh, Sheila Futterman, you know his wife. Yeah, she's the original Audrey from. The Corman Little Shop of Horrors. Really? Yeah, she's Audrey in that. And oh my. Like so, it's like yeah, a, a, a reunion with Dick Miller, but also now you know why she's got the, you know, you you know that's why Joe Dante has hired her to be <laughs> to be in this. Uh, she's also Tackleberry's mother-in-law in two of the Police Academy films. Hmm. Oh, I have not seen any of those films. Yeah, have you never? No, I don't no. know. How. I mean, well avoided. I mean, it's a, that's a that's a bullet worth dodging, mate. So, but um, yeah, I was sort of like, I mean, I was looking into. That was another thing as well. When I was listening to the soundtrack today, and it didn't really come out on the it doesn't really come out in the film, or it certainly didn't when I was watching it. But there's loads of cat noises in the soundtrack, <laughs> which again, I I think sort of it's. The same sort of thing of like you've got sharp teeth maniacs running amok, 
and there's lots of sort of like sort of noises all over the soundtrack and i wondered if it was like you know if that was part of it i don't know um yeah check out the soundtrack actually because yeah i love i I do love the music in this it's it's really good really really good it's a genuinely genuinely good soundtrack definitely but um for example so the dad uh hoyt axton um is actually a folk singer uh, folk singer, songwriter, and guitarist who did like twenty-five country albums, and wow. um, so he was kind of like acting was his sideline, and you could kind of hear it in his voice when you think about yeah. how he's feeling. He is like, yeah, that's a, that's a smooth voice, um, but his songs were he mostly did songs that were hits like when they were covered by other artists. So the Pusher and Snowblind Friend by Steppenwolf is him. Joy to the World, Never Been to Spain by Three Dog Night, and No No Song by Ringo Starr. They're all originally him. And but oh, and, and I'm going to have to insist that we add this maybe at the end of the podcast because um, he did, not, not this particular one, but he did an, a McDonald's commercial where he climbs up a mountain of a Big Mac singing The Ballad of the Big Mac which uh, is, uh, yeah, pretty as, as pretty awful as it sounds. But I did find a radio advert for Bush Beer uh, that he did. And it's just worth, I think we should just place gently at the end of this, is it sounds so amazing in his voice when it's, ah, nothing satisfies quite like the smooth, refreshing taste of Bush. And... Uh, <laughs> Tickled me, you know. Um, but he also, but he also wrote Google and not end up on Pornhub. But I'm going to try. You're all right. It's Bush beer. It's B U S C H. It's just pronounced Bush. So I'll send I'll send you the link because I'm sitting in sitting in work. I'd listen to a few of his songs and it was like, oh, the Bush beer commercial. I'll have a listen to that. And then I'm just sniggering like a child. So. Um, he also wrote uh, the theme tune to a sitcom called Flow, which starred Polly Holiday, who was Mrs. Deagle. So there's a weird connection there. She was, she basically, Flow is a spin off from another TV show called Alice, and that's kind of what she's best known for in America, as she was this sassy Texan waitress in this program called Alice and then got her own spin off show. And Hoyt Axton did the music, but she was also the mother in law in Home Improvement. And she was in Mrs. Doubtfire as well. So, yeah. These are... Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire also, again... Directed by Chris um, Columbus. Exactly. I have to say, when I was looking at things that Chris Columbus has been involved with, I don't think I like Chris Columbus much. (laughs) What what, what else? Well, he wrote The Goonies. He wrote Young Sherlock Holmes. Yes. So so I like like both. Oh, were you being sarcastic? Oh no no no! I, I don't I'm, I don't like Goonies. No. I'll be honest. No, um, don't Goonies. But he also then directed Home Alone, Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. Don't like them. I, I liked Home uh, Alone. Mrs. Doubtfire. I didn't see any after that. Mrs. Doubtfire. No. Yeah. Bicentennial Man. No. Harry. I never saw that. I quite star. like. Uh, what's his name? Tony? No, not Tony Robbins. What's his, what was his name? Robin Williams. Williams, That's it. I'm thinking of the uh, self-help guy, aren't I? Yeah. 
I, 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 liked him, I liked him in Malk and Mindy and Aladdin. That was about mm. it. Um, uh, but yeah, he did two of the Harry Potter films as well. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. But again... Have you, have you not seen No, in Sorcerer's Stone's the American title. I think that's where I got that from. Sorry, oh, Philosopher's Stone. The Philosopher's Stone. I've seen, I've seen that one. I've not seen the others. Yeah. But Lee liked yeah. them. Again... Yeah, but Lee's favourite character in all of the Harry Potter world is uh, Newt Commander. So. <laughs> Let's not prop that sleeping giant, shall we? You did miss out while mentioning uh, Chris Columbus, actually. He also did Adventures in Babysitting. That was the one mm. I was going to say I liked. Yeah. I do like Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah. And it's whose parents invented the shoe. Amazing. Yes. Elizabeth Shoe's dad invented the shoe. Up until that point, people just, put, <laughs> people just put leaves on their feet. And, and, and ironically, shoe pastries. But again, they'd spelt it all wrong. These are all, they, yeah, yeah, they spelt it choix. Um, but these are, all, these are all genuine facts. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I, I will say no to anyone who says that that is, that is not true. Um, but um, yeah, so that's the only one I really like is uh, Adventures in Babysitting. The rest of them can well dissolve. Um, Kingston yeah. Falls, Kingston Falls is the same backlot that they filmed Back to the Future on. Mm-hmm. So oh, the li- yeah, so the town in Back to the Future was that Twin Pines or something like that. Is yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, um, and yeah, so that's the same. It's the same universal backlot, much the same as like with the Burbs, where that had been used on so many things. This has been, which is probably why there is that thing of there's a lot of small town America in the eighties, and it's like, yeah, one fucking set, they've just been redressing it. But um, and on the Kingston Falls Cinema, they're showing a boy's life and watch the skies, and they're both the working titles of ET and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Which they basically said, yeah, we put that in because we knew Steven Spielberg would be watching the dailies and we just thought, oh, that would probably keep us in with him. So, <laughs> no, I... um, The dog, because this is a podcast where we talk about the dogs and their other roles a lot, because we were so he's, disappointed. He's good actor, that dog. That I've dog made is, notes of that. Yeah. His real name is Mushroom, which is a lovely name for a dog. Oh. And... He also played Gypsy, Lance Henriksen's dog, in Pumpkinhead. <gasps> is it really? Yes, it is. Oh, we're I a very dog, we're so a very dog-centric podcast. I mean, we've obviously had the revelations about the Silence of the Lambs, Burbs crossover, and obviously our greatest love of all being the, uh, the husky wolf cross from The Thing, mm-hmm. who is one of the finest like, Uncanny Valley actors doing the rounds. Well, he's probably dead he's now, actually. But... That when I showed him the thing last week for the first time. <laughs> well, she was just saying how good the dog is. He's great. He is great. But there, there is something about Mushroom, like... Yeah, again, like, it's just the way it reacts to... Like, it's a dog. It knows that it's looking at a thing that isn't real. But it reacts so mm. well to it. Apparently, though, that's what they did a lot of the time, is when they... when gizmo first came out it was the animated sort of head and that was the first time the dog saw it and the dog was just like <laughs> just like, don't like yeah. it. it's, just, 
sort of, it's a rat or something. I don't like it. And so, yeah, so he was quite sort of, he was ready to be uh, so quite, quite a scared. Out loud is when Gizmo comes round in the car and just nudges the side of the dog's foot, and the dog yes. lifts four feet off the ground. Fucking hell! Yeah, <laughs> that dog. That dog is a proper stunt dog at that point, definitely. But um, yeah. Oh, and um, Mr. Wing, the grandfather, the Chinese mm. uh, man. Yeah. Yeah, we were quite lucky there because. Um, they had a couple of other people in line for that role. Uh, one of whom was a Japanese actor called Mako, and the other mm. was John fucking Pertwee. Presumably John Pertwee in yellow face. So we've we've really dodged a bullet there that we can actually still watch this film because it doesn't feature be... John fucking Pertwee dressed up as a Chinese man. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. That would have made it a whole new level of awkward for a lot of people. Exactly. So, and not only that, but also it's like, it's 1984. We know you've got Chinese actors. Get a Chinese man to play the Chinese man. How's that for a theory? But the guy they got to play uh, Mr. Wing is a guy called Key Luke. Mm. Um, And obviously he's back for Gremlins 2. Uh, very briefly, uh, but he was the first Chinese American actor contracted by RKO Universal and Metro Goldwyn Mayer. He's the voice really? of ha- he's he's the voice of Han in Enter the Dragon, like the main villain. Uh, yeah. He's Lee Chan, number one son. Hey, eh? he's the voice of Han. I didn't know that was a voiceover job. Yeah, no, he's dubbed. Yeah, he's just. Uh, um, um, but he also was the original Kato before Bruce Lee was doing it in uh, like film serials of the Golden Ho- of the Green Hornet. Um, he's the original voice of Brack in Space Ghost, which just swelled my heart with pride. I know it's not Brack as he is now. I know that it's Brack as an evil villain, not Brack as the simpleton who, <laughs> with his own cartoon series on Adult Swim that I love. <laughs> but it still was like he's the voice of Brack. I love Brack. <laughs> yeah, make a fan, you please. And but yeah, he's um, he played the number one son of Charlie Chan in like loads of the Charlie Chan films in the sort of uh, 30s and stuff, and ended up being the voice of Charlie Chan in an animated series, and was actually the first Asian actor to play Charlie Chan, and that was like. <laughs> it was like the 70s and you're like for crying out loud I mean come on but then like I say it's 1984 and they're seriously going oh John Pert we could probably do it yeah, what we need is a lanky British man with a lisp you know he, he, he'll pull off you know Chinese salesman like that it'll be brilliant yeah um, that's not that bad I mean consider the short circuit and short circuit too they were way later and that was yeah. a man Brown face. Let's not yeah. get that still going on in Hollywood at the time. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. But, 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 it, but it's just, I mean, that's the thing is, it's just one of those ones where you go, oh, thank Christ for that. We can still watch Gremlins <laughs> rather yeah. than sort of like, you know, having to, having to show it to people with a caveat and an apology before we start. It's like, yeah. here you go. This is really great film, but. Yeah. <laughs> You know, please be advised. Um, 
Also, what the fuck is going on with Judge Reinhold? Because he turns up, he's a dick, and that goes nowhere. No, it, but he did that in a lot of stuff. Like, mm. I'm pretty convinced before, like, Beverly Hills Cop, he always played a bit of a knob, as I remember him. Um, yeah. Why? Because he's not, like, he doesn't look like, you know what I mean? Like, people will get typecast as, well, he looks like a villain. And he looks, mm. Reinhold never looked like a belling, but people always cast him as these obnoxious shits. Yeah. Although I was very pleased to see that he has played the character the Honourable Judge Reinhold twice uh, <laughs> in Arrested Development and Clark's the animated series. So that's that's good to know. But he also seems to be the king of very long-running, oddly long-running film series, because obviously he's in Beverly Hills Cop 1, 2 and 3, which is, which is respectively 84, 87 and 94 so you didn't realise quite how long they were going on for. Um, and he's also... also back to back in a weekend about three months ago. Nice. But he's also yeah. a character called Neil Miller in The Santa Claus. Two, uh, one, two and three. Yeah. And, uh, but so Santa Claus is 94, 2002 and 2006. Who the fuck? Who was planning these i mean it makes like gremlins 2 look quite recent like you know yeah. that's that's a fairly sort of consistent franchise when it's like 94 2002 oh we better get this done it's nearly eight years since <laughs> since the last one sorry you were saying who's so who is he in the santa claus then yeah sorry so he plays the uh so basically it's tim allen is the father mm. and the mother has a new boyfriend um and Tim Allen is a bit of a wacky dreamer. Uh, and Really uh, thought you were going to say prick then. <laughs> and Judge Reinhold is a psychologist who is the new boyfriend. So when the kid discovers that Tim Allen has become the Santa Claus because he killed the real Santa Claus, uh, yeah, Judge Reinhold is like, trying to say to him, you, you shouldn't be filling this kid's head with these delusions and blah, blah. But, uh, yeah. But like he, but so he's, he's playing a, a bit of a dick again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. I, I've only seen the first two. I didn't even realise it was the third one. And the I second one affected me. Did you remind one, me but Judge Reinhold did. Of, of the serious bit in Gremlins where... Um, the girl, Phoebe Cates, mm. yeah, is talking about people committing suicide at Christmas. And then it also turns out that her dad died coming down the chimney. Santa, yeah. Which yeah. is funny and awful. Yeah, and apparently that was, that was something that the studio executives were really keen to cut out. Yeah. And it was one of the few things where Steven Spielberg was like, well, because Steven Spielberg didn't like it, but he said, well, it's Joe Dante's film. And if he wants to keep it in, let him I mean, keep it, it in. I was trying to work out if it adds something or takes something away, but it, it is something. Just, I think it's just a nice. I didn't little... remember. I didn't remember it at all. No, because it's. it's a, I think it's just a... massively jarring, and it doesn't benefit the film in any way. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's. I again, I think it's one of those things where it's like you get the sort of impression that this used to be a lot darker. 
Mm. It's like a hangover from that. And I think from maybe the, that's yeah. maybe that's why Joe Dante wanted to keep it in because it was kind yeah. of like, well, I've already we've cut out a lot of the more <laughs> violent aspects. Yeah. And and again, that story, no one gets stabbed. There's no mm. she hasn't got her knockers hanging out. And um no one says fuck in the middle of it. So they don't care how disturbing that would be in terms mm. of like showing it to children. Even though that is a massively traumatic, horrible story. Yeah. But again, it, 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 but it, but that's the thing. Like it, it is the it is the kind of inconsistency of this film, where mm. it's a kids' film. Yeah. But it isn't. Mm. Yeah. So putting that story in the middle of it is no more inconsistent than. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I suppose <laughs> I, I sort of gave it to them as they're doing a bit of character development. So it adds a bit of depth to her character, but it also contrasts with Billy. Um, uh, yeah, because Billy's all sort of, I thought he's like, was happy whatever. Yeah, like I've got no idea. Yeah. Any of that. So, you know, I guess it could have been left in for some of that reason as well. Well, I, th- I think obviously we have to do a bit of leg rubbing. Uh, Vic Reeves style leg rubbing appreciation of Phoebe Cates. Um, I didn't realize I didn't realize she'd actually she retired from acting. She's married to um, Kevin Klein. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, basically, her last no, where was it? Because she got she went she came out of retirement to appear in something. Where was it? Um, yeah, her last film role was in 2001 for something called The Anniversary Party. And then before that, her last role was 1994. In yeah, so print. she had like a 12 years or something of doing loads of shit. Yeah. yeah and just uh, like 30 years old or whatever, just walked away and left it all behind. Um, yeah. Good for her. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she's like in Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Judge Reinhold. Um, she was in the film Shag. Which used to just tickle me because it was um, uh, it, it's about, about it's about a dance, but again it has a different sort of meaning over here. So when the trailer was on a video and it just kept going on about shit, it was <laughs> so just, just hilarious. That was so it's um, a type of dance. It's a type of dance. Apparently, um, <laughs> it was. I think it was in the same sort of mould as things like Footloose and stuff like that, where it was like just dance crazes. And yeah, there was apparently the shag in the fifties. But yeah, I think that that maybe a lot of people came over here, went over to America, hearing that the shag was the next yeah. big thing, and were really disappointed. Um, and obviously, you know, most most importantly, she's not facing Drop Dead Fred. Yeah. Hello, Snot Face. Oh, you got old. You got old. <laughs> but. Um, the thing that I picked up this time, which was really reassuring, uh, so twice now I've watched Ready Player One, and I was convinced, uh, obviously that film is littered with uh, mm. 1980s references, um, and uh, so IROC brings the orb of Osavox in a box, and I Say remember I saw it in the cinema on my own, and he he shows the box. I immediately went, that's the box that Mogwai comes in from Gremlin. Mm. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I was like, I need to check that out at a later date because I'm sure it is. And then I've watched it again once or maybe twice since, and both times I forgot to actually go and check mm. up on it. Um, 
But yeah, this time, watching it today, I then went and opened Ready Player One and found it. Yeah, it is. So when they get the Orb of Ostervox, stop saying that. Um, yeah, it does come in the box that the, the Gremlins are in. That's, that's really Don't cool. Need. Um, Mogwai, but incidentally, is Cantonese for demon. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, that, that would have given it away if he'd studied his well, languages. Well, maybe they just called it a demon in, in mm-hmm. when it was translated into Cantonese, and everyone was like, "Oh, demon! That's a funny <laughs> man." And then, then some Cantonese lads who lived in Scotland formed a band called Demon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. unaware, you know, in that in that same sort of sense. I did see a lovely thing where apparently Mogwai did say. Um, it was kind of like a placeholder and we just never got a better one. <laughs> so, so they were like, we're not that obsessed with it. We just like the, we just like the word. <laughs> um, but you, like, well, like you were saying, Chris, I had to find out about the, uh, the people, the, the gremlins voices. Mm. Now, so for a start, Gizmo is voiced by Howie Mandel who is an actor, comedian, and TV presenter uh, who's quite famous in America. He was their original presenter of Deal or No Deal. He's a judge on America's Got Talent. Uh, He used to own a real prick's soul patch, um, and he looks not unlike the prick from Stained. Um, But, yeah, that's that's him. But in in America, he's, you know, he's just a big name, but he was... He's not particularly into horror. Well, I think he's just... I think he's just sort of one of those people who sort of, you know, it starts off, they're quite funny and then they do so. And then it's like, oh, you so see, you're just going to piss that away and just be a shitty TV presenter for the rest of your life. Are you? All right, great. Apparently his big comedy thing was putting a rubber glove over his head and inflating it. So, I mean, he's, you know, he wasn't the new Bill Hicks. But, um, <laughs> so, I, I, I'm terribly dismissive. It's just because everyone kept going on about... It, like a lot of the articles and stuff I was reading, it was like, and the voice of Gizmo is Howie Mandel, and I was like, oh fuck, what's it? And it's like, oh, just nothing. Yeah, he's, he's famous, but mm. yeah, not, not for no so, interest. So, so I'm I'm using that one first because there's some quality on here. This next one goes out to uh, Pinball Bobby on uh, Not for Everyone. Woo! Uh, one of the because loads of people did the voices of the Gremlins. Uh, Fred Newman, who was also the voice of Harry in Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Mm. So there you go. That goes out to Pinball Bobby due to his his, his love of big feats. Um, next one, uh, Michael Winslow, who is the guy who does all the noises. Larvel Jones in all the Police Academy films and animated TV series, and the radio. Yeah, Lee wouldn't know about that. And the, exactly, but he would know him as the radio operator in Spaceballs. So, where has um, he gone? Do we know? Yes. It, uh, what, Lee? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Do we know where he's gone? Where, Lee, come back. Where are you? I think he's just got... He's, probably, he's, he's, oh, he's probably gone for a dump. You know. I mean, he should have had one before he started. That would be thing the least is, worst thing what, he could be doing. See, the trouble is, while he's away, what he doesn't realise is we're both going to say, isn't us fucking great? <laughs> <Yeah>. So... <laughs> Because it is, yeah. so and it's full and it's full of deep meanings, and people don't get it, and the people who don't get it are a bit rubbish. That's true. That's a true thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're taking a risk now. He could get back any moment. He'll come back in a minute. Maybe. Oh no, that's probably what it is. He's gone to check his. He's gone to check his uh, Corey Feldman uh, shrines that he's got as little votive candles in front we, of it. We must. We must have done all the Corey Feldman horror films now. I. Th- I think actually we... possibly not. I think because again he's a bit like what's his name? Uh, uh, what's his name in this? The guy um, Zach Gallagher who plays Billy. Mm. Uh, who seems to? I mean, he was in Waxwork and Waxwork Quick. Two. Quick, stop <gasps> talking about Lee. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, but he wasn't he, in Waxwork Two. No, but he's in loads of like more recent horror films. I think it's that same thing of like mm. someone comes and finds you know uh, someone gets into like you're into a horror film, you get older, and it's like all oh, the bloke from Gremlins is available, mm. and it's like yeah. Yeah, he is. Um, he was also uh, he's also an uncredited murder victim in uh, Hellraiser three. So that's just just one for you. You're right there, sir. I am. Yeah, you're. you're what happened? Um, I had to go pee. Oh, mm-hmm. fair enough. Okay. Well, we would do, before we le- before you left, we were discussing. I wasn't watching and didn't realise I was gone. I just went and urinated. Yes. <laughs> Um, we were discussing people who did the gremlin voices. Obviously, we've dismissed Howie Mandel out of hand. Um, and then Fred Newman, who's the voice of Harry in Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Michael Winslow, who is the Lavelle Jones in Police Academy, is the one who does all the noises. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And he's the radio, uh, the radar operator in Spaceballs. Who does the blips and the beeps. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's one of the he's voices of gremlins. Right. He gets better. Mark Dodson, who did zombie voices for Day of the Dead, but he's also the voice of Salacious Crumb in Return <gasps> of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, Getting get warmer now, aren't we? Again, <laughs> you, sort of, you know why that guy got that part. Yeah. You know, doing yeah. gremlin voice. <laughs> um, Peter Cullen uh, did voices. He's the voice of Optimus Prime. Yeah, Optimus he's fucking Prime. In both the just, animated and the films, I just recently watched the uh, the Netflix documentary about the the toys that shaped our oh the toys that made us yeah mm. yeah yeah because um, yeah, yeah. he's on there isn't he yeah yeah and um, he's also the voice of Venger from Dungeons and Dragons the main villain and it was like uh, yeah yeah right yeah cause that's why it's a horrible terrifying character <laughs> exactly. And then we come to the guy who is mainly the voice of Stripe, mm. uh, who is Frank Welker. Oh, who is, wow. He is Fred in Scooby-Doo <laughs> and has been the voice of Fred in Scooby-Doo since the very beginning. And he has been the voice of Scooby-Doo since 2002. But he is also Dr. Claw, Brain and Madcap from Inspector Gadget. I'll get you, Gadget. Mm, very good. He's Megatron, Soundwave, Rumble and Frenzy, mm. and various others in the animated Transformers. And he's Galvatron, Soundwave and Ravage in the animated series and the live-action films. He's Nibbler in Futurama. <laughs> Both the Nibbler voice and the the sort of, you know, well-spoken posh voice that he has. That's, that's both him. He's the Martians in Mars Attacks. He's Uni and Tiamat in Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. 
He's Ray and Slimer in the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> he's Iceman in Spider-Man His Amazing Friends. He's Totoro in the English language version of My Neighbour Totoro. And he's the alien voice of Sill in the film Species. <laughs> I would Richard I, I, I versus Species. Lots of killings. Uh, yeah, he's done well. And, and, now, but, unsung heroes. As soon as you mention yeah. that, now that is an unsung hero. It we is. Yeah. We haven't. Time, but he we, totally, totally is. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, there's. It was incredible, like going through it, and it's like there is so much fucking voice talent that was essentially thrown at. Hello. Hello. <laughs> 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 maybe that's why. Maybe you know. Maybe they pulled it off better than oh, definitely. anyone except for you. <laughs> I think they could have hired you and they'd have done well. Well, I, I'm, I would be quite happy to pull it off for them. So, um, obviously, Robbie the Robot turns up in the background. The Time Machine turns up in the background. It's the usual yeah. story with Joe Dante films of like hundreds of references. Um, still, Steven Spielberg is a man in an electric wheelchair at the Avengers convention. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that Jerry Goldsmith is Jerry Goldsmith is credited as man in telephone booth glancing at the camera, which I can only assume is like, look, Jerry, go and do that. Don't look at the, don't look at the camera, Jerry. So, but um, in background scene, it's what he was quoted as. Yeah, but I just, yeah, I was just. Uh, there's another thing that I think comes out well in this movie, which is just. The constant thing that we are taught by all films from America is that small town police are fucking mm. useless. Yeah. So. <laughs> and everyone's got a fucking huge house. They say, oh, they've all got money troubles, and he just sits in the garage and makes shit, but they've still got a house with like 15 reception rooms in it. It's insane. Yeah. Mind you, that's that, that was something that's kind of hinted at in it, but never actually sort of comes out much. Is apparently uh, Mrs. Deagle is basically repossessing everyone's houses mm. and um, is selling them on to a chemical company or something like that. So, mm. that, but that was again something that didn't sort of it did like I don't think it goes she anywhere. spoke. She spoke to the mother with the two children. Yes, when she's yeah. taken the the head into the bank. Yeah, yeah. so it sort of hints at it, and that's very. That's very sort of uh, Wizard of Oz anyway, isn't it? I'll get you and your dog. Yeah. So One of the, one of the bank customers uh, is um, Chuck D- Jones, the legendary Warner Brothers animator. And oh, was? Yeah. And also, I, this is something that I've never seen the series, so I don't know, but it was just an interesting fact, is the guy who plays Deputy Brent, um, uh, he's the character Mike Ermintrout, uh, who apparently is the only character who's in all three things to do with Breaking Bad. He's like okay. in, he's in the main series. He's in Better Call Saul and the spin-off movie El Camino. He's the only character who's like in all of the things. Nice. He's like like an ex-cop hitman, basically trouble. And uh, I thought that worth mentioning because probably people who watch Breaking Bad would listen to this and go. We do mention the bloke in that. He's like he's fucking Breaking Bad and all over it and everything. And he's probably the most famous person in this film nowadays. Um, oh, it's funny. I've seen him. In, he's one of those people again. Like you've seen in loads of shit, and you go, "Yeah, oh, I see him." I couldn't tell you what he's been in, and I didn't actually IMDb him because I was like, "Oh, it's just it's, it's that bloke." Yeah. He's in loads of this stuff around this era. 
1995, he was in pretty much 80% of Hollywood films, I think, in very small bit. Yeah. I think, weirdly enough, I mean, there's a lot of people in this have sort of, um, a lot of people in this works with Gigante and back and stuff. Sorry, I was examining. Um, Do you know what? A landmark point that we need to reach is when someone does a mashup of all of Adam's phrases and voices and makes him say something amazing. A bit like uh, Cassette Boy. A bit Cassette Boy, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I love Cassette Boy. Where is Cassette Boy? Cassette Boy have just released their Boris Johnson yeah. uh, one, which is, uh, they've redone uh, uh, Can't Touch This, but as Don't Trust Me. Um, <laughs> See, I have not listened to Cassette Boy since The Streets. Um <laughs> I just remember The Streets and uh, Big Brother and yes. literally listening to it until I laughed so hard I was sick in my mouth. Um, right, if you, the one that will get I haven't you... Done since then, until yesterday, when I was listening to uh, Bob Mortimer's uh, Atletico Mint podcast. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes, and I sent you, Adam, on WhatsApp the sound bite from that that literally had the same effect where I laughed so hard, I thought my eyes were going to pop out of my head. Yes. Oh, blimey. I, I mean, that's the thing. Vic, Vic and Bob's big night out is back on. And again, uh, he keeps, I can't think of his bloody name, but he keeps playing uh, a guy who is oh, a murderer. Um, but he had his wife on there yesterday, which is just Vaughn Earl, the big guy who's working with them at the moment, in a dress with a mask made of a tea towel. And it was, it, June's there, she's got her cloth on, all right? <clears throat> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, now, he's fantastic to follow on Instagram, because he mm. keep, every time he comes to London, he keeps doing videos. Where he oh, basically guy. Pretends, yeah, yeah. Where he yeah. pretends to be having a conversation with somebody and just talks like a massive wanker. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, my, uh, I've just, I've just consulted with my scientific advisor, and uh, she said that it's Bill Decker is the character I'm referring to with mm. Bob on. Big hey, Night, hey. So, yeah, thank Bill, you very much. Decker, uh, and have I a camera choo choo on me for that. Ah, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hope my tits aren't too chaotic for you. Yeah. Better have big milk tits for this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to be tough. Um, right, so we better start wrapping up because uh, it's, uh, Cause it's Christmas. And they all, it's um, Christmas! And they take eight hours to upload to YouTube. So, um, thank you, Adam, for the tongue action. Oh, I was just upping your bit right there. So. Nice. nice. Yeah, see, that's going to take an extra 15 minutes of upload to um, <laughs> Uh, so for the next episode, we were discussing this previously off air. Um, so the next episode is basically going to be three years, almost to the day, the release, to when we originally decided we were going to start doing this uh, podcast. So in celebration of that, we've come to a unified agreement that it is time to show Chris the ultimate horror movie of all horror movies as we haven't managed to make him piss himself yet um, I'm getting excited <laughs> can, you, can you tell 
Uh, and, Which and, is and why we've decided to watch Saw 3D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so what we've said is, as well, because we're doing it in this format and not watching the film together, uh, the other reason for doing this film now is that it's a film that works particularly well watched on your own. So if we do it now, it's possibly depending on scheduling. The last film that we watch independently before we go back to sitting together and watching a film, uh, we are going to get Chris to watch the original Exorcist, uh, which mm. he has But he did say earlier on that he watched it. He watched it and repossessed very close together, <sighs> and also scary movie. And now can't tell the Exorcist from the others. I'm guessing if he now goes back and watches it on its own. He fucking will because it's horrific and terrible. Well, it's not that. It was just when he was describing Max von Sydow's breasts expanding whilst using an exercise <laughs> machine. But I thought maybe you've got the thing. You've probably got everything a bit mixed up there, mate. Um. Yes. So uh, we're going to. Oh, actually, it's funny. Set me straight. Huh? Yeah, you're going to set me straight. It's funny you mentioned Max von Sydow because, here we go, degrees of separation. Max von Sydow in the last Star Wars movie, um, The Mandalorian is currently running. None of us have obviously been able to watch it because you can't legally see it in the UK. Uh, but Jennifer does keep referring to baby Yoda as Mogwai because yeah. she is, mm. effectively. Very um, much. I did see a lovely picture of it because uh, obviously... Currently, like Instagram is just a, a cesspool of pictures of baby Yoda in various ways, shapes, and forms. And yeah. one of them was just him looking up at the sky like that. And it said, When you're too young to realize that those seagulls might come and peck your head. <laughs> <laughs> right, for anybody who doesn't get that, go and watch uh, um, the bad lip reading videos uh the star wars ones they are some of the funny they are one of those things i've seen both of them probably 20 times and i laugh massively out loud to the point of nearly puking every time i watch them yeah, uh, yeah. so uh, what are they called adam there's um bushes of love yes and the yoda one is uh seagulls stop it now <laughs> so <laughs> just, Stop. Bit, just, just ask me off. Um, you wore a seagull Stop It Now t shirt once, I think, when we were yeah. and it had the same effect. We were literally halfway through a conversation, and I almost choked to death with laughter when I realized what you were doing. Oh, yeah, um, Bushes of Love. I haven't seen that. They've got loads now. You haven't seen yeah. Bushes of Love or Seagull no. Stop It? Yeah. I've seen the sequels. Oh, Bushes of Love is Bushes of Love is genuinely a brilliant song. Yeah, um, but mental. Uh, I've got a picture of my photo wagon. Force Awakens, hostiles <laughs> on the hill. It's, it's right. not a moon. <laughs> right. So let's stop now. We'll let Chris go and watch this. <laughs> this is a massive rabbit hole. We'll be up till four o'clock yeah. in the morning. Bad lip reading, same as we've all, we've all done that. Um, yeah, and we will see you all in a fortnight's time for the 
big, the the big episode, the super mama jamma of all horror movies, The Exorcist. We're going to Tubular Bells, isn't it? It's Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield mm. from Bleed Nutminster. Bleed Nutminster, mate. Just round the corner. Yeah. Um, that's what. Yeah. That's why Ian Jury did the vocal version. <laughs> I'd listen to that. You know. We all would have. Isn't that Dean's album? <laughs> um, yes. Go and listen to Pit Ponies. It's a bit like Ian Jury in the Blockheads. And it is good. It's it's good album to go and listen to Pit Ponies. Um, previous guest Dean. Uh, we also mentioned him earlier because. He's going to send some shadow requests over to Chris. Maybe. If I remember. Hopefully. Anyway, yeah. anyway thanks so much for listening and watching. Please comment below. Uh, please send us your hashtag Ask Welcome to Horror. Uh, new listeners slash watchers. Uh, yeah, you can ask us any question you like and we will definitely answer it. Like, literally, any question you like. And, uh, listen, and listen to our. Uh, our brothers on Not For Everyone who have just done The Prophecy which I've still not seen Lee despite the fact it was one of the first films you ever told me to watch and Dean actually, <laughs> the pair of you were always on about The Prophecy no. I've not watched it in 20 years because it's one of those films I thought was fantastic when I was young but I think might be a pile of shit but what I'll do, <laughs> I will listen to Not For Everyone covering it and then I'm going to decide whether to, or not to rewatch it again. So it'll be mm-hmm. all good. Excellent. Right. Thanks ever so much. Uh, and I will see. We will see you all in a fortnight's time. Bye. Uh, Bye. Thanks, guys. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Merry, Christmas. Merry messy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>